Crime Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content and language on this show may be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys, and welcome to Crime Wives. This week I'm going to do it correctly. I'm your host, Veronica. <laughs> and I'm your host, Destiny. <laughs> Probably it's really lame to say I'm your host, but I am. But that's who we are. We're hosting you through this. Um, we are ready to give you some content about people killing people, or people dying, or crime, or something. All of the above. Uh, yeah. First, uh, let's chat about our weeks. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why this is our thing, but this is our thing, guys. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering. Yeah, you go first with yours. Okay, okay. Um, honestly, um... What have I been? I have to think about it. So I'm. I mean, I've been doing a lot of podcast stuff. We did Mother's Day. Oh, we did Mother's, Mother's Day. Mother's Day was a big part Mother's of this. Day. Mother's Day was the biggest part. Uh-huh. Um, I actually didn't see my mom. Not oh. because her. Uh. Because okay, now I have to explain why. <laughs> so my just mom, awkward silence. My mom is actually teaching a class at Western, so she has a curriculum that's due. So she... I thought you were going to be like, she's back in Egypt. <laughs> she's on vacation again. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to her. Uh, <laughs> no. So she is, uh, she was writing a curriculum. So we spent the day with Alex's mom and grandma and his sister. Um, just hung out. It was a good time. Had a barbecue. Watched the Blazers. Oh, yeah. Boop, boop, game oh, seven. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, so Sunday was, was definitely... six and then this last one was game seven? I don't know, numbers. No, game seven was Sunday. Last and then game rough. one was last night, which was unfortunate, but yeah. we're going to come back. Yeah. It was good. It was fine. Um, Alex's grandma watched the game with us, and it oh. was... like they, She's like, oh, it's just a game. And I looked over, <laughs> and I was like, this is not just a game. This is game seven. Get your life and priorities <laughs> aligned. Right? And then it, I was like, oh. Be softer, Destiny. This, yeah. is, this is Grandma. This um, is Grandma. So, I mean, Iris Festival. Boop, boop. Are you oh, going? Yeah. I think so. <sighs> Babysitter stuff, you know. So you we'll know. see. We'll see. Maybe Travis I'll works see because he also teaches at Western Oregon University. Hey, maybe, maybe they can hang out sometime. Yeah, probs. Um, and then the taco crawl tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. I'm a mom. Not going. <laughs> I have like five tacos for I'm me. like, oh, I'm going to be drinking. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a couple It's gonna be a couple busy nights, but also just need to do more stuff for the wedding. That's uh-huh. definitely priority. That's why it was melting chocolate on my lunch break. Oh, yeah. I ate some. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, not nothing too crazy this week. What about you? Um, we bought our tickets to Disneyland. Yay! Yeah. The whole the whole trip is paid for now. Oh. Now I just have to have spending money, so I'm like, shoot. Weight <laughs> off your shoulders, though? Yeah. For sure. I'm, that's awesome. Yeah, that part, stoked about it. Um, that was pretty much like the only thing I was going to talk about. Because the other thing I was going to talk about was, did you see that last night there was a shooting? Well, there was a, did you just hear about all that? The shooting over on uh, High Set, or not High yeah dude it's like highland over. Highland. highland there we go it's, yeah, yeah they shut over. down the school today oh yeah it was because they found him this morning they caught him they had him in custody they were all night of course because of that i'm a mom so i'm like oh my god what if he breaks into our house every <laughs> single noise i heard last night travis goes downstairs he was doing work stuff downstairs and then he goes and plays video games downstairs i've been in bed for maybe 20 minutes and i texted him i was like what was that He's like, we live in a duplex. It could have been anything. Oh, geez. And I'm like, is someone trying to break in? He's like, you need to go to bed. No, yeah. Well, Alex works like a mile from there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, And no. so like, he was like, all of the roads are closed off. 
He's like, did you hear what happened? And I was like, did I? Hear? Of course. Yes. I, yes. I text, I text my mother-in-law with like, are you awake? And she's like, I am. What's going on? And I just start sending her because I'm like, first of all, for anyone listening that's not from around here, we live in a small town. <laughs> so yeah. is when there's this kind of crime, um, everybody knows. Everybody's. I was awake way too late on this little Facebook crime page for our area. You're like, refresh, yeah. refresh, oh, refresh. Oh, absolutely. I was like, refresh, boop, 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 four more things to come oh up. And I'm God. like, okay, now he's over here. And then boop, 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 okay, now he's over there. And I just found out, because it's people that listen to scanners. So I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, tomorrow, I got to tell Destiny about it on the podcast. Right? <laughs> well, last week, there was like three other shootings. Yeah, there's crazy shootings. Those yeah. were, I think, gang-related. This guy, oh, really? though, so apparently on the police scanner, they said his name, and then, so they, while they say his name, people are looking him up, and yeah, they... Mugshots.com. Oh, yeah. Well, they were like, we're not sure if this is the same guy, but what the guy did last night was uh, potential, I don't know if it was his own car, if he stole a car, crashed the car, when he got out of the car, he shot the officer. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently this is his third time doing that, if it's the same person. Shooting so an like, officer? Uh, no, no. Stealing a car and crashing it, oh. fleeting, uh, fl- leaving the scene. Um, I don't know what propelled him to shoot the officer this time, but I'm going to go ahead and say if it was his third time shooting an officer, he wouldn't be out and about. But... Yeah, I was like, um, excuse me, what? <laughs> yeah, so. Who knows? Good behavior. To... <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, <laughs> so, literally, I've been getting these calls. I just have to share this real quick. I've been getting these calls. From Marion or Marion County Circuit Court mm-hmm. and Clackamas County Circuit Court, and I'm like, "Am I? What did I? Am I what trouble? Have you done? <laughs> if it was like an IRS, I'd be like, "That's fake. It's so fake, right?" But no, it's like, and it's both counties, and I'm like, "Do they leave oh, messages?" Yeah, and that, but then I called back both times, and they're like, "We have so many people working here. I have no idea who called you because one of them was like an automated, and then the other one they didn't leave a message. So oh. then today I finally like." I always look up numbers really quick on my computer if I'm mm-hmm. at work, and I'm oh, like, "What is this?" And then I like grabbed it, and it said like Marion County, and I was like, "And I answered Wait a it," and they were like, "Can I speak with Francisco?" Oh, and I was oh like, no, it was wrong number the whole time. I was like, "No, you can't speak to a Francisco," and they were like, <laughs> "I would have been like speaking." <laughs> well, and they were like, "Well, he has core and da da da." You don't know Francisco, and I was like. I know no Francisco. Oh, and they're probably so used to getting, oh, no Francisco here. Sorry. Well, no, she was like, well, how long have you had this number? And I was like, like 16 years. And she was like, what? But this guy, so, so I, I'm not going to say his information or anything. But his name's Francisco. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't get into that part. Okay. But so, uh, yeah, but I'm pretty sure he, because he gave it to both, because on the other voicemail, mm-hmm. it says Francisco. So this guy is giving my number out when he gets in trouble. Does he know you? Do you know no. him? No. Oh. No so idea. he just found your number. Well, he's Dude, probably like, do any my random number like, is... Francisco's follow you on Facebook or something? Oh my God. I'm not even looking. <laughs> but I'm totally looking after this. His number is probably like one digit off of mine. So he's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is a good one to remember. And then he's just giving my Changes number off to all these people. <gasps> Francisco is bad. Francisco's <laughs> rude. Like, stop, dude. I don't care when you have court. Oh, Get them man. to stop calling. <laughs> yeah, for real. So that was my entertainment for the day. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> so what are you going to be talking about this week? Well, so um, two things. A, when I did this last minute, I'm, usually I'm not the last minuter on this one, and um, there was online when I was looking it up, one of the very first things it says after I'm doing this last minute is like, 
And the 4,000-page court document, I was like, what have I done? Oh, my God. <laughs> what have I done? But there was no going back. Like, I was just, I had already looked at it. So it's really, there was a ton of information, and there wasn't a Wikipedia on it. So I was like, shoot, I can't timeline this, which is usually what I do at least to, like, break apart my story, yeah. you know? Or piece apart what's um, important and what's not important. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, didn't have that option. So, <laughs> and then like all of the reports on it are mostly um, like 2020 kind of did a special on it, kind of. It was very brief. And I think there's a Snapped, but whenever I looked at Wikipedia, it gave me every freaking episode of Snapped ever. And it was like, it might be this one. It might be that. I was like, Snapped is my jam. <laughs> I know it's your shit jam. It's my shit jam. <laughs> so what I have pieced together here, if it gets confusing, stop me and let me know because okay. most of it is my own writing. Okay, <laughs> like okay. I don't, usually I'm like copy and, paste, copy and paste certain stuff, but if I don't like it, I'm like, nah. or I'll find five different places from stories i'll copy and paste all of it and then i'll like put it together how it makes yeah, sense yeah you'll to me. just like rewrite it so i left out a i left out a lot of information so if you're curious about this one i i can absolutely leave information probably on our on our instagram okay. like this is where the full story is um or maybe we'll look it up and see if there's a freaking snapped about it because if there that would have been good to watch so right? i could have found out some information so also, if any of this information is wrong, <laughs> someone can let me know. <laughs> Let's hope because, it's not. Let's hope it's yeah, not. <laughs> no, it's copy and paste information. I I think, I mean, the only thing that I'm worried about is like the timeline might be a little bit out of order. Like a little skewed. Yeah. I know that I didn't put anything fake on here. I'll tell you okay. that. Okay, <laughs> I didn't I elaborate. Like, oh. No, I didn't elaborate at all. I just did. I was like, holy crap. It, it's still a lot of information. I'm so. ready for it. Okay, so I am doing the murder of Randy Stone. Um, I accidentally wrote his name Tone. <laughs> so Hey Tone. His last name is Stone. And um, so I'm just gonna start off with and we're just gonna jump right into the story. That's how I like it. Okie dokie. Okay, so it was late afternoon, March thirty first, two thousand ten. Teresa Stone pulled into a parking space at her husband's insurance agency. Next to her was the only other car in the lot, her husband's blue Chevy Malibu, and immediately she noticed that someone had closed the insurance agency's blinds. She thought to herself, that's not normal. <laughs> Apparently the blinds being closed, instantly she knew, oh, something's weird. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so when she got inside the office, she noted that the deadbolt had not been locked and that parts of the office seemed to be messier than usual, though her husband's office seemed just fine. So when she went into the next room, which is the office next to um, his office, she walked in and found her husband laying on the floor. Her husband laid motionless next to her desk. Oh, which was her own office. Okay. Laid motionless next to her desk. Okay. So they work together. Yes. Okay. Uh, this will be explained. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, her husband laid motionless next to her desk. Blood that had streamed from his left ear had begun to dry, and his head lay in a puddle of splintered bone and brain matter. Oh, God. Uh-huh, yeah, just coming right at you with Thanks. details. Thanks for that. Uh-huh. A space heater that had toppled behind him had a dark red smear and blood spatter dotted Oh, and blood spatter dotted furniture and walls around him. Randy's eyes had blackened, and his lips were also blue. Okay, so we've set the scene. Yeah, that's an awful scene. Yeah, so she grabs a wireless phone. Um, this is, again, this is 2010. It's it's called a wireless phone. I don't know <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a cell phone or what, but um, she grabs a wireless phone and begins yelling at him to wake up. 
First, she called her parents, told them Randy had been shot, and asked them to come to the office. Then she called 911, and here's how the 911 call went. She says, oh my god, 911, the call taker responded. So she's like, okay, I just worded this weirdly. She says, oh my god, 911, the call taker responded. Do you need police, fire, or medical? Yes, I do, please. Okay, take a breath. Where are you at? I, I just walked into my office, and my husband's lying on the floor in my office. Okay, listen to me. Where are you? I need the address of where you are. She gives the address. 132, or yeah, 13912 Nolan Court. Okay, what's the suite number? Suite is A as in apple. Okay, now, what's wrong with your husband? He's been, I don't know, there's blood everywhere. It's coming out of his ear. The 911 operator then instructed her to leave and go outside of the office. So Teresa followed what she was supposed to do. Um, leave the office and waited for patrol officers to arrive. Soon, the news was all over uh, that the couples regularly attended church. Uh, so basically, as soon as this happens, news travels fast. She called her parents first. So. I, well, when I heard that, I was like, and I, you can't say, until you're in that like exact situation, you can't say exactly what you do. Yeah. But I love my mom to death. But I, if Alex... If there's, no, I would be like, 911, yeah. get, like, now. Like, yeah. anything that I think might be able to help him. The first. One, I'd probably be, like, assess the situation and be like, I'm not leaving. I don't care if somebody kills me, too. Yes. Like, I'm going to do what I got to do to try to get this guy alive. Mm-hmm. Yes, also the reassess, yeah, yeah, all of that. So that doesn't happen. But that would be my my opinion. Yeah. It, I don't know how the story is going to play out, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, so you keep, you keep that thought in your head. Okay. The first on the scene happened to be a member of her church. Um, he darted inside to and determined Randy was dead and then went back out and told Teresa he is, in fact, dead. And then I put what she says. She just cries no and shrieks and then collapses into his arms. After this, Pastor David Love heard word of it during the hospital call in or during a hospital call in South Kansas City. And about a half hour earlier than expected, he also arrived to the scene. Okay. And then within minutes, his wife gets to the scene, and they're all in a parking lot. So essentially what happens is she calls her parents first. They are very involved in their church, but she, so her parents start telling people, like, right off the bat, something's bad. Yeah. And then all of these people start hearing about it, but the order in which they hear about it is something to take note of. Um, Wait, yeah, definitely. And the cops aren't there yet? Um, I think at this point they are in fact there, but they all, all of these church members, I think the very first person that got there, the cops were not there yet. His name was Randy, but to be honest, he's never mentioned again. Um, or I'm sorry, his name was not Randy. Her husband's name was Randy. He just went inside for her. He's never mentioned again. This random dude that I was like, "Mm, I don't know about him. He just goes inside and says, yes. Yeah. Honestly, I was like, nope, he did it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So... But then the pastor gets there, and his wife gets there, and at the scene, um, there's a lot going on, and I wrote all of this down, but quite honestly, I am very well familiar with this now, so I'm kind of just skipping ahead here, because now we've set the scene. Husband's dead inside. They both work at this office. It's an insurance office, but I'll give more about that. Okay, so officers had arrived. They start... Um, kind of taping off. This is very obviously a crime scene. It's not just, it's a man's been shot in the head. So then there's a lead investigator assigned to the case. His name is Keith Rose Warren, which is like the the last name. I was like, Rose Warren? That's going to be awful to say over and over. <laughs> so I'm going to keep saying it. So. 
Okay, so he waited outside uh, while crime scene technicians and medical examiners worked. Already, he had learned that Randy, like him, who is the husband who has been shot, Randy, like him, was a veteran. Um, And so he kind of instantly decides he has a kinship with this guy because he's a veteran too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the investigators took note that the crime scene itself appeared unmoved, with also a sum of $150 in cash still laying in the desk drawer, and eventually they were also able to recover a torn-up note. Um, what they can see at the at the scene is that it says, you are the center of my world somewhere on the note, um, but okay. it's pretty torn up. Um, so it became very, very clear very quickly that whoever killed Randy Stone most likely knew him. There wasn't a ton of things missing, or there was nothing missing. There wasn't a ton of, like, scuffle. It became clear just by the crime scene. Well, and that note being gripped up. Yeah, so... You are the center of my world. Like, out of everything that's disturbed, it's... Yeah, so... At first, when I first went through this story, that wasn't necessarily, that was kind of a little bit farther down, but I put that in here right now just so that you know, okay, they they started combing the scene very quickly. They started mm-hmm. um, going through very little details, and that was something that was recovered pretty pretty early on. Good job, Warrens, whatever your name is. Yeah, and then, um, so, we're even, so we're still at the scene here, and then the last part of what I put, ugh, I felt bad for putting this last, was eventually one of the Stones' daughters... Miranda also arrived on scene with her maternal grandparents, who had only told her that her father had been shot. She learned of his death in the parking lot at the scene. So I just put this part in there just because it's not... It's not essential to the story, but I'm just like, ugh. And I think by the time there's a a trial for all of this, I think Miranda is 18 and then their other daughter is a little bit older, so... That's awful. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So then I just kind of stop right there because I just wanted to set the scene. I probably could have just gone from beginning to end, but I just wanted to start with, okay, here, here's yeah, the Yeah, I like that. I yeah. like that a little. Okay, so Randy and Teresa Stone had known each other since they were kids growing up in the northeast of Kansas City, but didn't begin dating until after he returned from Marine duty in 1990. That's when I was born. <laughs> uh, later that year, they were married. And the couple had two children. Michael and Miranda, okay, it was not two daughters, I was wrong, my apologies, Um, who were baptized in the same church Randy and Teresa were married at. That church is called New Hope Baptist Church in Independence. And this is, I'm going to keep saying Independence because this is the town that it happens in. It's all in Montana. Okay. So, uh, Teresa worked in Randy's Nolan Road office. Um, first, she started as a customer service representative and then as a licensed agent. So eventually they were sharing this office together. Okay. That okay. was the, could have put that up there, but I felt like it would have taken away from the, yeah. So uh, she opened the office every morning, which is probably why she knew about the blinds. And Randy managed both the clients um, and their relationships with farmer's insurance. Both spent many hours at Teresa's longtime church, New Hope Baptist in Independence. Teresa helped in the church kitchen and occasionally sang in the choir. And um, they were both very connected to the leaders of the church. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like they they have a pretty well-off, like, yeah, whatever religion they are. Um, yes. They're pretty Christian? religious. I don't know what religion. I'm assuming. Um, it's Baptist. Um, so, they're super involved in their church and um, because Teresa's been going there for a long time. So... The people that they're the most um, involved with, I'll say, or just do things with the most are um, the pastor and his wife and then a few other peoples of the congregation. So 
Um, the pastor, his name is David Love, is an articulate and attractive, depending upon what you're, he's described as an attractive dude a few times, and I looked him up and was like, eh, eh. I feel like I don't like him already, but keep going. Uh-huh. In fact, the way that they describe him the whole time, I'm like, Pfft. yeah. So an it's an articulate, attractive, and partial to dark suits. I'm like, boo. <laughs> You're evil. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> so he arrives at the church in 1999 and immediately was a hit with the congregation. Super charming. Oh, no. <laughs> Celebrated in the Midwest, the son of missionaries. He polished his preaching skills at a Baptist college in, in the South as a youth minister and pastor at two previous churches. Love, every time the, his last name is mentioned, I, I don't like that his last name's Love. But <laughs> a former... I have a feeling that we might be foreshadowing a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. His <laughs> Just niche. your tone of voice. I'm like, mm, we don't like him. <laughs> yeah. You can't sit with that. He's the first person I start telling you a ton of details about. So, you know, just hang on to this. <laughs> Um, I didn't give it a ton of mystery. I just set your scene and then here's your peeps. So, Love, a former Marine, was known to spend his free time volunteering as well as occasionally enjoying target practice shooting on an eastern Jackson County farm. Okay. I mean, okay. there's people, him. He, you said that they're in Montana? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, shooting's everywhere, but... Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get I it. I mean, normal. Mm -hmm. So, Randy Stone, Teresa's husband... Uh, became one of David's most devoted followers, though the two occasionally argued about church and business um, because Randy considered Brother Love the most influential person in his life. He always was trying to guide him um, financially and stuff. Gotcha. Uh, Randy Stone uh, was also quite a pillar in his community. Uh, the, this is an actual quote that said, was a pillar in his community, and then the first thing that they said was, he wrote poetry for his wife. Kept a journal, drove his church's Sunday school bus, and advised the congregation on financial issues. I'm like, he's a pillar in his community, and that's all you have to say about him? I looked up a whole ton of different areas, and that's just kind of the same thing. Really? I'm like, he wrote poetry. That does not make you a pillar in your community. I mean, maybe they... He was a good husband, maybe, or just a devoted husband. I don't know. I mean, yeah. He had a journal. Maybe they had a small, small town, too, and that's what <laughs> pillars do in small towns, yes. okay? Okay, so... Though David Love was known for his great work in the church, he'd battled financial issues that split a Virginia congregation in 1990s. Similar trouble happened when he um, came to the independence ministry, when he would not account for about $30,000 that went missing from a fund that was for missionary salaries. Okay. When, he was, <laughs> when he was confronted, his reaction was... Pretty angry, stating, I will not let a church checkbook run my ministry. That's all he had to say. That's not even denying it. We don't care about your ministry, homie. Where's the money? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> where is this $30,000? Yeah, okay. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. It's just church, okay? Like, I won't let that run my ministry. <laughs> Rude. Okay. Whatever. Okay. okay. But at home, he was um, married to his wife, Kim Love, obviously who was described, and there's another quote, as a talkative woman with a lush southern accent who relished her role as a mother, pastor's spouse, and church secretary. She exhibited such a fierce Christian faith and tr truthful and forgiving nature that others sometimes thought her a phony. <laughs> Do you know what I just thought of? Have you seen The Heart of Dixie? Oh, of course I've seen The Heart of Dixie. Lemon. <laughs> That's 
I kept lemon. picturing like a like a very voluptuous lemon too. Me too. And oh, there's okay, okay. Yeah, I should have. I didn't look up her um, like what she looked like or anything, but uh, there's a few quotes from her saying certain things and the way she's talking in the quotes. You can just tell. Like I didn't put some of the quotes in here, but there's sometimes where she's like, "And God, He spoke to me," and I'm like, "Oh, oh I know it. Oh, okay. I know it. Okay. I'm not judging who spoke to her. I'm just judging how the way that she says things." <laughs> Okay, so uh, it should also be noted, I wrote after it thought her a phony. However, it should be noted that she was a very trusting woman. She trusted her husband so much, just putting that out there, and wanted to believe the best in everybody and her husband. Um, That's my own opinion from this story. It's very clear she wanted to believe the best in everyone. And it was also said that Kim was fearful of other women and her husband's relationships, as she would have... Um, as he would have, quote, too friendly of relationships with them. So is she insecure, or is he just too friendly? Well, one of them is Teresa Stone, so... That she gets a little insecure about? Yes, one of the main people. Awesome. And then here's my next line. (laughs) Eventually, Kim's worries came to life, and David Love and Teresa Stone strike up a rather steamy affair. (laughs) The affair began slowly, with weekly meetings wherever the opportunity presented. Though Kim wasn't aware of the full extent of it, she did start finding him on a secret disposable phone a few different times and occasions. Every time, though, he explained it away, saying that he was just giving Teresa marriage advice. On a secret phone? Yeah, on a disposable phone. (laughs) Yeah. There are two different occasions that I don't necessarily bring up in the story, but essentially, Kim plays a strong role in this, um, and, uh in this whole story kind of taking, making full circle. Mm-hmm. So uh, by April of 2010, so this crime happens the 31st of March, and by April, police has a full, the police have a full-blown um, investigation. The lead investigator... Okay, wait, so this affair happened, and then they, the murder happened? Yes. The affair happened, and so I'm going back to April of 2010 so that, so we can kind of pick up where... The, the, where the detectives start piecing yes. it together, piecing what's going on together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Essentially, yeah. So, again, this is my version of the story, so it's kind of all over the place, so thank you for asking questions. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> okay, so the lead investigator knew that in order to make this case, he was going to have to get confessions because all of the evidence that they had at this point was circumstantial or, you know, it just wasn't quite enough to uh, take anyone to court. Um, Or he knew in court that it could be explained away. Okay. But eventually, they finally decide to bring Teresa Stone in for questioning. Um, At the start, she is very guarded, very calm, and refuses to disclose information. She um, denies having any involvement until the investigators start to probe her further. First, they present her with the fact that they discovered a very long, very detailed note that had been ripped up and left in her office trash can that was very clearly not from her husband. Part of the note, so I'm going to say part of the note, but I don't, I don't know if they tell her this when they're first investigating, I think, or when they're first interrogating her. Mm-hmm. I think they simply say, we have a note that was in your garbage can and it's torn up and we have reason to believe that it's not your husband that wrote it okay okay so i'm gonna read you what part of the note says and then i'll tell you the her reaction later (laughs) okay happy birthday love in all caps you are so very precious to my heart i care for you more than anyone on earth i'm not in control of things yet 
but when we are fully together, your birthday will always be exciting, full of surprises, romantic, and all about loving you. You are the center of my world. Remember that part? (laughs) I praise you. I adore you. I am blessed by you. I need you. I love you. So we're not fully together. So obviously, they had this reason? is not your goddamn husband, you <laughs> yeah. harlot. And, uh, yeah, and the, um, but when we are fully together, and the, I'm not in control of things yet. That part but for me. Yet, yeah. dot, 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 yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at first, Teresa, of course, claimed that she had no idea what they wrote. So again, I don't know if they wrote or if they told her that exact part at when this happens. So she's like denying it. She's like, I don't know what letter you're talking about. I don't know what letter this is. And she claimed she had no idea uh, what note they were talking about. So the investigators told her they um, could retrieve a copy of this event, essentially while they're in um, investigate or interrogating her. The note is being pieced together. Okay. And so a lot of these things are happening um, at the same time. And so in this situation, they're interrogating and they're like, well, we have a note. We've read most of it, but part of it's still being put together. We're going to go get the rest of that note, okay? And then they <laughs> leave the room. Gotcha. As soon as they left the room, a hidden camera caught her saying, which I have a picture of, I put it on our email, it's kind of the last one, caught her saying, oh great, I forgot about the note. Are you kidding? Oh no, 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 it's it's on there. So it's in, I think I set the pictures separately. Um, at this point, you can look at all of the people that are involved, but it's the last one in the pictures that I sent you. It's just her in an interrogation room. There is a secret camera. But anyways, okay. So when the... I'm pretty... This girl, I think I know this. Well, it, it's got to be from Snapped. You I love Snapped. I watch it all the time. <laughs> yeah. What do you do on a Sunday? First well, of all... Me and my fiance watch Snapped because we're psychopaths. <laughs> yes. I it's mean... fine. I mean, same, Ben. Um, she... I'm sure you're seeing all of the pictures here. So if you are, um, her and her husband are the reason that I try and... I for dot dot dot. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, idiot. <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously that was damning. Okay, wait. So uh, the first one's her and her husband. Mm-hmm. Okay. The tan, the so very very. Hus- they just got back yeah. from a trip. Yeah. She's like, I just did twenty five spray tans, and he yes. looks like he looks like a very sweet. Like, yeah. All of the pictures of him, he looks like he gives good hugs. <laughs> he really does. Yeah, there's just that type of guy that you're just like, oh, you probably give a good I have hug. I a feeling I know who this guy is. Oh, yeah, don't, don't talk about him, him yet. Don't punch him in the face. <laughs> don't talk about him yet. <laughs> okay, so, of course, after they, you know, bring this to her, um, when the detectives returned, uh, they question her further, and she makes up this long, very detailed story about an unknown, quote, secret admirer who left the note on her car years before, but just so happened to be in her, the, her waistband. I don't just, okay. You can't see me, but I'm looking at Ronica like, <laughs> like I, I hate people. Like, I did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse you, why are you, why is this coming out why of your I mouth? Why am I telling this? Okay. Um, okay, so they read more of the note to Teresa that says, I remember nine years ago telling you I had something for you in my office. It was me. I wanted to give you me. This feels so weird to read. That kiss you took, and then you gave me one back. I felt like it was my birthday. So. So wait, is this, this is the same note or different? Mm -hmm. Again, like they had to leave. Oh, because they were piecing it. Okay. Okay. So now that this comes into play. Did you say nine years? Um, no, no. This, this she just said years ago. Oh. And say however many, but. Still too long. You just wait. Okay. So, um, eventually and finally, Teresa admits that the note was from David Love. She 
finally comes out and says, there's, this is, a, they have to interrogate her quite a few different times, but not all in one day does she admit this, but eventually she starts to admit things and it's like over time. It's just like that other case that I did where the guy was like, I'm going to tell you a little bit of information oh, and a little bit more. Yeah, and a little, the line so she kind of, I think she starts to, um, two things. I think they start coaxing her into feeling like she should be comfortable, but also I think she starts to realize that they know they're kind of on her. So yeah. from there, she starts to implicate that Pastor David did in fact have a relationship her and him did in fact have a relationship she starts revealing more details each time however every time she tries to make it very clear that she didn't have anything to do with the murder and tries to implicate him in the murder Mm -hmm. um so that's what any episode of snapped Uh well i didn't know i had no idea why is he so crazy he's just loves me so much okay so at some point, she goes on to admit that her and the pastor, they, essentially they also coax this out of her, that her and the pastor did in fact have sex. And in 2005, she even became pregnant with David's child. What? Something that she could not hide from Randy, obviously, who had had a vasectomy years prior. Oh, no! So when she tells Randy that she's pregnant... Wait, this obvious- is 2005? Yeah. And so, and he died in 2010. Uh-huh. Good job. You're doing math. <laughs> yep. I'm smart. Uh-huh. <laughs> give me, okay. Give me yeah, wine. remember, he came to the church in like, what was it, 1999? Yeah, is when he in- enters the church. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. So the news obviously shocked Randy, but Teresa convinced him that sometimes vasectomies don't always work. Oh, my God. Okay, so I read that and I was like, oh, he was a nice hugger and he's just dumb. <laughs> but the issue faded after Teresa unfortunately miscarried. And in Teresa's mind, this is a direct quote, God spared her that day. I was like, oh, I can't read those words together after miscarried. Okay. And though it seems like Randy was blind to it all, there is a note of him, um, somebody ends up testifying later on, that he made a comment to a person who worked at the church stating that he thought that David and Teresa might actually be having an affair. That person told him that he shouldn't make those accusations about a man of God who led the church. And so... I don't know if he necessarily let it go, but I think that he kind of stopped talking about it to people. Well, yeah, which is so discouraging. Like, I'm sorry. I would hope that somebody that is in the church wouldn't do something like that. Mm-hmm. But we see things happen all the time. Exactly. To I'm... a lot of different people. Like, And it wasn't and... like this is like the 70s when we're like, shh, these things don't happen. Yeah, this was <laughs> this like is... nine years ago. Yeah, so, okay, so... Finally, during a separate interrogation on April 20th, a detective gets Teresa to admit that the writer of this very detailed letter was Pastor David Love. But when asked if he might have anything to do with her husband's death, she insists he did not. So she keeps implying, like, it wasn't me, I don't know what David, but she's, then they, she, they finally come out and say, do you think that he did it? And she's like, no. I'm like, what? How can you keep implying? Okay, so. Okay. Rose Warren then decided to ask her about the day of the murder. He picked up the odd discrepancy between the first two calls, which I don't know if you... I think you might have already pointed this out, but because you the detective, too. <laughs> um, he, he said, I'm going to point out the two calls that you made after finding Randy's body. She told her parents... You did, obviously. I forgot. <laughs> she told her parents that Randy had been shot, but then she told 911, the call taker, um, that... Randy had only that Randy had blood coming from an ear. And she didn't know what happened. And she didn't know what happened. 
Who told you that he'd been shot? The investigator asked Teresa. How did you know that he'd been shot? And why didn't you tell us? You were not being truthful with me, Teresa. She says, I didn't know. <laughs> like, oh. He says again to her, you're not being truthful. And she finally replies, he sent me a text and told me. And he said, who did? Who said, just say it to me now. <laughs> and she finally whispers, brother love. Which is so awkward that she calls him brother love. But oh, That's very awkward, but also very... Oh, yeah. Oh, hate you. Okay, so she never says it in this interrogation, um, but what the text said that um, was sent to her, how she knew he had been shot. But again, this doesn't say anything about shooting. Um, in all caps, seriously urgent, do not go back to the office. But again, in my opinion, that doesn't, he doesn't, how did she know that he'd how been would, shot? Yeah, how would you know that he was shot then? Yeah, mm-hmm, so... So anyways. 2010. He, uh -huh. They're going to pull your phone, all yes. your phone information, you idiot. Oh, they didn't know. They didn't know. Okay, so by this point in the investigation, detectives find that there were three insurance policies in Randy Stone's name. Of course there were. When you said ins like that they worked in insurance, I was like, money. Oh, Read. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, keep going. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, this will I'm make sorry. you happy. <laughs> that he carried... Um, he yeah that the in his name that he carried for about five hundred seventy five thousand dollars. There was actually a few like a few more policies that were trying to, that totaled eight hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. But what Teresa didn't know was that her husband had taken her name off of those policies before his death. So the Yay. only beneficiary. Okay, so Sorry. the only uh, beneficiaries were his children. Nice, okay, nice, yeah, bitch. So, but of course, they to to her, they're like, well, we know that there's some insurance policies here. Kind of, I think this is them bringing it to the table to kind of motivate her. How hey, we know what's going on here? Yeah. Um. They also brought to light the fact that police knew that the murder weapon had been with one of Randy's own guns, that Teresa had access to from a safe in the office. Okay, so I put the office because I think that's where I read it. It might have been a uh, safe in their house, mm -hmm. but it'll also only make sense that the pastor has been to their office and probably not their house. So it could potentially be their house. Whatever it is, her husband Randy had a gun safe. Only she knew the lock to it, and only he knew the lock to it, the combination to it. How, I don't understand how people are so stupid. I, I don't. Okay, so... Unfortunately, though, this still wasn't enough to convict anyone at this point. So um, with all of this compiled, this information helped them to convince Teresa that they would tie her to his murder if she didn't help them get David Love to confess. So she agreed to place a co recorded call to Pastor David. And of course she did. Oh, absolutely. She's like, sure, okay. Well, skizzing. Because I mean, well, she wants to be like, so just from this, you can, you can, you can tell what direction she's trying to go in. Um, she put the call through at 12.43 a.m. A.m.? What? I didn't even... Oh. What? I didn't think about this. She's she's calling their house at, I don't know why. One in the morning? So late. Yeah, okay. Uh, right away, David seems suspicious. She said, you have something to do. I can't live like this anymore. This is just killing me. Um, but in the... Like, within the first five seconds of her being on the phone and her saying this, which is recorded... Um, it quickly became clear that Kim, the pastor's wife, was also there. And um, the wife and the pastor began to argue. And they're saying things back and forth. And um, eventually, the one of the last things he says that's recorded of him says, She's not going to pin this on me. 
And that's kind of all that was said. So, well, I mean, honestly, one in the morning, this side hose calling. Yeah. I'd be having an issue. Well, yeah. any time in the day, yes. I'd have an issue. But also, like, she's like, um, but like, we're the people. Of someone's God. been murdered. You're there's a lady calling you. Like, there's a lot more yeah, to at it. One in the morning. Yeah. And she's been suspicious of some people previously. And you're getting a call at one in the morning. And you're like, hey. Yeah. Um, even if you're in denial, you're like, hey, can your hizzo not call? Like, <laughs> yeah, can she not? Can can this not happen at one in the morning? Yeah. Or can you use your hidden cell phone, please? <laughs> can we Jesus. go back to you finding your cell phone? Yeah, this poor lady. Um, okay, so after this, the detectives are forced to take a different route because the phone call didn't reveal enough yeah. or that much. Uh, but because of how the phone's conversation went, uh, they decided to bring the pastor's wife, Kim Love, in as a cooperative witness. So what's actually not detailed here, and I didn't write it down, is that um, I'm pretty sure it's the same day that they're interrogating the pastor, they also brought his wife in, and they put her in a different room. Um, I don't know if they came together and they had intentions of not interrogating her, and it was just him, but Mm -hmm. they put him in different rooms. Nice. uh Uh-huh. This part I didn't write down, but it feels worth mentioning, is that they also had a secret recording of the pastor and he is alone by himself for nine minutes, just um, like adjusting his tie, like making his coat all nice. He's you're just like brushing yourself. Yeah, well, he's like <laughs> primping himself. He's like yeah, dusting yeah. himself off. He is tying his shoe. He for some reason is fluffing his hair up a ton. His he doesn't have that much hair either. So he's just. He's, he looks like he probably fluffs his hair. Oh, yeah. They're staring at me right now, and I'm <laughs> yeah. just raging. They're just looking at you. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, I'm so a little he, uncomfortable. super calm, cool, and collected. They don't get very much out of him at all. Um, but they bring his wife, Kim Love, into a separate room. And during her meeting, she basically pours all of the info that she knows. And it's very clear that she has been a, I'm going to say, quote, quiet and obedient wife throughout all of this are you gonna tell me what she says oh yeah oh yeah i'm like very much looking forward to this yeah so she gives details about the disposal phones that she knew david and um Teresa had had and even pulls out a receipt from a jewelry store this part pissed me off so much okay Pulls out a receipt from a jewelry store. Um, was with, it for a $30,000 ring? Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but it was for a ring. What? You're the smartest lady. Okay. So it was a jewelry store receipt that had two purchases on it with two separate rings. However, when she originally, when he originally bought her a ring, she sees the ring and there's either something wrong with it or something size wrong with it. So she has to go back in. Kim has to go back in. And um, says this isn't correct, or she was trying to pick something else out. She was trying to exchange it, so yeah. they gave her the receipt. And on the receipt is the ring that she's currently has on for fifty dollars. It was forty nine ninety nine. The ring that um, David had given to Kim, and then there was another one for a three hundred dollar ring that she later <laughs> didn't even give his wife the no! better price <laughs> ring. You I garbage mean, human. I mean, the fact that he's buying two, I just all of it. I was like, God. Damn it. So, okay. So, eventually, she sees this ring on Teresa. Like, it's described, explained exactly how it is. She sees it on Teresa when she, and she says to Teresa, oh, that's a nice ring. And um, Teresa's like, it's just a cheap ring and just leaves and walks away. So, she basically disregards any of it. Or Teresa, like, blows her off. It's like, it's just a cheap ring. It's nothing. 
Um, when she confronted her husband, finally, he admits to buying them both rings. You can't fake a friggin' receipt. Yeah. And she goes, I know you gave this to, I, I'm assuming at the store, she must have had them, like, show her what the ring looked like and yeah. then sees it on Teresa because then she, um, confronts her husband and he admits to it. And he said, I did buy her a ring. And his quote was, the stupidest thing I've ever done was buying that ring for her. And then from there, he's just like, but will you still love me? Be mine. Oh, so, but he admit so he kind of admitted to, like, their affair through the ring. Kind of. Like, yes. you're a priest. He's like, Honestly, I'd be been... like, it's a purity ring. She's gone through a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a purity ring. Okay. For so, how? after this meeting, um, David Love is arrested. So, I was like, oh, red, oh, okay, red. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so, twice during his 24-hour stay in the independent... Yeah, he's only arrested for a short time. <laughs> um, was it for... What was it for? Uh, well, it just says he was arrested. They found a reason I'm to hold I'm pretty sure him. it's under, yeah, on charges, but um, probably not for the murder of, but... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, twice during his 24-hour stay in the Independence Jail, David Love called family members, asking if they could bring him a Bible and a hairbrush. I'm <laughs> like, this guy and his hair, it's not even that great. His hair looks like it's, like, thinning very badly. <laughs> yeah. Don't like, brush it, it more, bro. Yeah, like, it doesn't look like... I, like, I could run my hair through and be it's like... It's like a nice head of hair, but it's not like... But, like, if you look at it, it's just very light. Like, it casts <laughs> yeah. a light shadow. There's even some light coming through it because, like, it's that thin. <laughs> like he... hair hour with Destiny. <laughs> You're welcome, but there's not a lot going on there. It's true. She's not wrong. It's true. Okay, so each time that he is on the phone, he calls Kim and she always presses him. Um whether the investigators' accusations are true. And then here's a conversation that they had. She's like, did Teresa set you up or what's going on? Well, this is being recorded, he replied. So I think I'm going to appear in the morning sometime to get an attorney. And I think they call that being airing. <laughs> I don't know what that word is. <laughs> I don't know what that word is. Okay. okay. <laughs> did you do it? She followed up. Honey, I wish I could be there with you. Um, and that you could go there with me in the morning. Did you do it? Sweetheart, it's not wise to say anything on the phone because we're being recorded, okay? <laughs> like, he just disregards. Jesus. Like, doesn't ever say no. Like, if you didn't, yeah, I would be like, just I mean, say even no. if you're denied, like, you're not going to get in trouble. Just just say no if you're gonna be this big of a liar but it's clear that he's very used to wording things that i'm sure is a manipulative warder yeah okay so by the summer of 2010 independence police had stitched together a convincing circumstantial case against the lovers even without the damning admissions Teresa had made during her long april interview with the investigators seven months after pastor love shot uh conregent that's a weird word to say congregant randy stone to death in stone's nolan insurance agency a jackson county grand jury had indicted love on a charge of first-degree murder and nine months after her husband's murder Teresa stone entered a small first floor office at the jackson county courthouse in independence finally ready to reveal her final secrets Yay. Uh -huh. She decided it was finally time to admit where the gun had came from that was used to kill her husband. Mostly, this was an attempt to desperately avoid a long prison sentence, so she knew this was her bargaining tool eventually. Gotcha. And thinking that cooperation would help, she sat down with prosecutors. 
Accompanied by a veteran defense lawyer, John P. O'Connor, Teresa announced that she was prepared without conditions or promises to answer questions under oath. As a court reporter recorded, the discussion assistant prosecutor, Tammy Dickinson, got right to the key questions. This is her asking. How was he going to get access to Randy's guns? Tammy asked. I gave him the code to the gun safe and the code to our garage door. Ah, it was at their house. So it was at their house. Mm -hmm. Okay. And our alarm code, Teresa replied. So he had access to get into your house? Yes, ma'am. Teresa also admitted that she helped turn love into a killer. Okay, that obviously was not my quote. That was copy and pasted. I would not say helped turn into a killer, but I mean, it's not wrong. Okay. (laughs) I sent him a text that said, I want him dead, dot, dot, dot. I told him that I just wanted him out of my life. And with that, her last secrets were out. After court, statements were released breaking down the case. And so this is just a short overview of the the case, essentially what kind of was um, in the media. Teresa Stone, 40, pleaded guilty earlier to conspiracy to commit murder with the understanding that her maximum sentence would be 10 years. Her That's it? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's not even what she served. Um, Her co-conspirator, David Love, admitted that he shot Randy Stone in Stone's Nolan Road insurance office. He is serving life in prison after pleading guilty in November to second-degree murder and armed uh, criminal action. During Friday's 90-minute sentencing hearing, spectators saw evidence made public for the first time, including transcripts of text messages sent between Teresa and Stone, um, as well as a f- photographs of the body of Randy Stone, who was killed March 31st in 2010. Teresa Stone Dickinson also admitted to a 10-year affair. 10 years? So basically, right when he got to that church, they started an affair um, with David Love, with the apparent knowledge of her husband, or without the apparent knowledge of her husband. Um, And then this just felt worth mentioning. So the opening statement, obviously, is the prosecutor. Teresa Stone schemed with the former independence minister, David Love, to commit the 2010 murder allowing him access to her husband's collection of guns, one of which Love used to shoot Randy. Teresa mistakenly believed she would, ha- she would be the beneficiary of several life insurance policies. And then, after Love killed her husband, allowed that same killer to preside over her husband's funeral. He was the main speaker at her <sighs> husband's funeral. Again, I Ew. left out a ton of details. <laughs> Teresa Stone was sentenced to eight years in prison. In November 2011, Love took a plea deal of second-degree murder. He is currently serving life sentence and can be eligible for parole in 2036. David Love is ministering from behind bars, leading... Of course you are, douche. <laughs> ...leading large Bible studies in prison. Okay, so I told the story, but there are two things that just came back to me while I'm reading it that I, like, didn't put in here but feel worth mentioning. At one point in... Teresa and Randy's marriage, Teresa caught Randy watching porn, and so she said, you need to go to our pastor about this. And so her pastor starts counseling her husband, who she's, um, you know, sleeping she's ha- with. Yes. While the, in, the, um, in the time that this is happening, they also recovered pictures that he, that Pastor David Love had taken of himself and sent to Teresa. So I'm like... He is counseling about porn and making his own porn. Jesus. <laughs> like, like, this whole story is just so convoluted with so many 
there is so much more information to the story, but that is the unfortunate and very sad murder of Randy Stone. The nice hugger man. The nice hugger man. Awful. Yeah. All right, so that was my story. I almost said that was my podcast. (laughs) That was my story. It was crazy. I'm sorry. I loved it. I love I love me a snapped episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um we should confirm that it's an actual snapped episode. I'm pretty sure it is. Ooh. And questionable. If it is, I'ma watch it. Uh yeah, and then let me know. I honestly <laughs> think I have watched it. Uh-huh. But well, I'll watch I, it again. Even when I saw her mug shot, I it's I used to watch Snapped. Every freaking day that I haven't in a long time. But when I saw that mugshot, I'm like, mm, she look, looks firm. Mm, yep, firm that familiar. haircut. That haircut looks like someone pulled the hair out, cut it all the way down, and then it just fell back down. It's hard to. It's, uh, it's almost to, the Rachel. I'm gonna have to look at it again. Yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> it's it's rough. Oh yeah. So this week, mm-hmm. yay yay yay! Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be talking about the dating game killer. <laughs> I wish you guys could see what she just did with her neck when she said, "My the, shoulders, yeah, them shoulders, back and forth. just dancing." The dating game I'm killer. Ready for it? Okay. Um, so Rodney James Alcala was born on August 23rd, 1943, to Raul Alcala Bacor and Anna Marie Gutierrez. Was his last name Lacour? As in, Bucor. Oh, Bucor. Oh, missed it. Bucor. Okay. Oh, right. Very fancy. Um, <laughs> in San Antonio, Texas. Um, when he was eight, so I don't know, it, I could not, I looked and looked and looked, couldn't find a lot about his childhood. But when he was eight, his family, which consisted of his parents and a couple siblings, moved to Mexico. And then about three years later, his dad abandoned them. Oh, poop. Yes. Poop. Do you ever think about how... Our childhoods are going to be super easy to find out if any crime ever happens to us because social media. That's all. That's all very true. Very, very true. <laughs> okay. Um, I could totally go into a story, but I'm gonna I'm gonna veer away. At all least I think tonight. about is is like if someone told mine, they'd be like, "Okay, when she was 15, she had a MySpace, lots of side bangs, and then from there, she was lots of under eye makeup." Like, right. She did raccoonize for about a year, and then she learned better. She did better. Um, well, no. Okay, so I'm just gonna do like a really weird, like thing with this. Uh-huh. Okay. Um. So I don't know my dad. For anybody that oh. doesn't know, mm-hmm. um, I've never I met do. him. He was <laughs> deported before I was born, mm-hmm. or around the time I was born. Mm-hmm. Um. And I got. I mean. I'm curious. I've always Duh. been curious. Like, and him and my mom wrote a lot of letters back and forth, but I've no, I haven't, I've never met him, so I don't know like much about him. So one day, I know his name, so I googled his name, mm-hmm. and I freaking found a picture of him. <gasps> and I kid you not, it was probably about six months ago, and I was like, "Hey, mom," and it was really <laughs> can awkward. You confirm something. I was like, can you tell me, like, is this my dad? <laughs> and I showed her a picture, and she was like. That's a lot older. Um, he still has a mullet. How that... did she know he still has a mullet? Because the picture was like of like four years ago. Oh, oh, she was like, he still has a mullet. Yeah, he was <laughs> oh, like, gotcha. she, he's a lot older, but he, that's your dad. Your dad has a mullet <laughs> and a uni. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh no! <laughs> I'm so happy you have neither. <laughs> Um, uh, okay, well, don't judge my you. Oh, man. Mullet. I thought you were going to say that you still couldn't find him 
and I was going to be like, okay, listen, I tried to Google my sister's dad. I couldn't find much about him. What if you're my sister? <laughs> what if we're related? You no, also so actually found it. But, it's the, but just tying back to how weird, like, the internet works now. And, yes. Like, how much you can find out. Oh, yeah. And then I did, like, the whole 23 me, and I'm like, I have a third cousin that her name is whatever. And I'm like, okay, oh, well, this is weird. Sucky so name. Bye. Um, yeah, no, I just was like, oh, TMI. (laughs) Okay. No, that was great. That was great. There's no such thing as TMI on podcast, Destiny. Don't you know? I mean, some people can beg to differ. (laughs) Alex is like, why did you say that about me? No. Oh, no. That, okay, you're right. That's TMI. (laughs) You keep Alex to yourself. Uh, Right? We don't want to (laughs) know. Just kidding. Okay. So back to this. Um, so their father abandoned them um so after the whole abandonment thing sorry back to sadness (laughs) yeah you're welcome um his mom moved the whole family to los angeles so when he was 17 he joined the u.s army and in 1964 at the age of 21 rodney had like a just a nervous breakdown oh okay so he went awol and he hitchhiked to his mother's house from his home base in north carolina Okay, that's what I'd call a tiny red flag. <laughs> I always throw those in. <laughs> tiny red flags. I'm not done yet. <laughs> okay. So he ended up in custody for going AWOL because obviously right, you, if you can't, go AWOL, you can't, can't go just AWOL. leave. Um, and he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. Okay, so big red flag. By, but... Yeah. So by a military um, psychiatrist and he ended up being discharged from the military. So for anybody that isn't aware... Um, of what an antisocial personality disorder is. This is a direct quote definition of what it is. Mm -hmm. It is a mental condition in which a person has a long-term pattern of manipulating, exploiting, or violating the rights of others without any remorse. Oh, see, I heard the word antisocial and thought, they just don't like to talk. Yeah, yeah. That's way different. Than... This is this is like a very so manipulative. I didn't even know. Yeah, this is a very I manipulate you. I so this is what some people might even categorize, or people that are not educated would be like, oh, that person's a sociopath. I because literally we don't thought know about that when terms. I read it. I was like, okay, well. got it. All right, learning things. <laughs> exactly. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, so after he was discharged from the military, he ended up attending UCLA, where he obtained a Bachelor's of Fine Arts degree in 1968. So he was still capable of learning. Yeah, and I actually don't have this in here. He supposedly had a genius IQ. Oh, all right. That's also either super rad or super not rad. Super rad flaggy. (laughs) Oh, tiny red flag. Right. Um, so I mean, a lot of people, like, kudos to everybody that has a genius iq that's amazing um but when in the wrong hands can definitely not i know one person's brother who i'm pretty sure when they were really young they all took iq tests and he got like the highest and we were all like you're the smartest he's a he's a very so far has not committed any murders that i'm aware of like (laughs) he's also very smart yeah it's still yeah mm mm-hmm top of his class all well, that I stuff i'm pretty but... sure it wasn't ted bundy had a very high iq oh as well. uh, uh-huh yeah the rare times it cannot be necessarily good in the right hands yeah the wrong it hands. absolutely can be detrimental but also it's i feel like it tends to be one or the other they are so so smart mm-hmm. or they are so so not smart <laughs> and there's no real in between yeah there's for a sure. few exceptions 
but that's it. A few. <laughs> um, so in 1968, he committed his first crime. Um, a passerby witnessed him kind of talking and luring an eight-year-old girl. Oh, no. I know. A kid thing again. <laughs> named Tala Shapiro. Okay. So he's he's discharged? Yes. And then they just send him on his way? That's it? Yes. Okay. That's, I think that's Yeah, he awful. would, they, which I mean is very surprising in the military because when you go AWOL, it's a huge deal. Yeah, and I felt like they're, that they just were like, well, you're discharged or dishonorably or whatever it was, but then, all right, we're done with you. There's no follow-up. Like, nope. You're kind of, we've diagnosed you with something. Yikes. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Yee. So in 1968, he committed his first crime when a passerby witnessed Rodney luring an eight-year-old girl named Tali Shapiro oh, into man. his apartment. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. But there's, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> but when authorities arrived, they found Shapiro beaten with a crowbar and raped. Oh, kidoki. Yes. Rude guy. It, <laughs> that's, that's an understatement. That's, that's a but... nice way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rodney had fled the scene. Okay. So he left the state and enrolled at NYU under the alias John Berger. Oh, uh, mm, that seems like a name that I would instantly be like, mm, I don't know, a burger? <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm, it's burger with an E. Oh, so oh, big ill. <laughs> I've met some people with bur- like with burger last name. So mm-hmm. John Burger just seems like John Smith to me. Oh, okay. Like just like an average name. Okay. Um, I mean, because I'm the first person you meet, you're not like, are you a serial killer? That's like true. he's you're in right. New York, so he's you're way right. far I'm away just from where anything. Suspicious because you said crowbar rape and an eight year old. So <laughs> I like, can't, I can't take this lightly. I, I don't blame you. So while he was attending NYU, he became a counselor at New Hampshire Art Camp. Um, about three years after moving to the New York area in 1971, mm-hmm. he had been added to the 10 most wanted fugitives for his crime against Shapiro in California. So his real name. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. With, but so, with his pictures and everything like so that. So he gets discharged from the army, or sorry, wherever he's... Yeah, he was in the he's army. Going. Okay, so he gets discharged, they send him on his way, they give him a diagnosis, sorry about that luck, peace out. Yeah. And that's that, and then he just enrolls into an art institute uh ucla oh and then that's where he did the crime and then he went to nyu yeah okay okay yeah this is awful yeah (laughs) so there wasn't really i mean and a lot of times when i mean the military has so much obviously going on Mm -hmm. if you're discharged with different things a lot of times they don't follow up with right you. i mean i guess it's not their job to do it but it does seem yeah, strange like, that you know what you're out and mm-hmm. that's where we stop good luck that's where we're gonna part ways not our job yeah so um about three years after moving to new york in 1971 he had been added to the um fugitive list mm-hmm. so not long after his picture was released he was identified by two of the children attending the art camp Oh, no. Yeah, so they, like, went to the superintendent, and they were like, this guy looks exactly like this guy. Like, his name's not the same, but this Oh, looks... so they didn't have, like, interactions with him. They just said, hey, he looks like someone um, we know. I'm not sure if he had interactions with them, but oh, okay. they, they were like... He's creepy. He, yeah, this, he is, looks similar. this person looks just like this person. They don't have the same <clears throat> name, but this person's this person. I like it. Um, so he was extradited back to California. Okay. Yay. I, I mean, that's it. a good thing. Like, okay, yeah. They were like, okay, this is the guy. So Stayed once... in New York, 
Mm-mm. Yeah, they're like, nah, go back to California. Uh-huh. We don't need you here. Um, so by that time that Rodney got back to California, Shapiro, his eight-year-old victim, oh, and her family had relocated to Mexico. Oh, she didn't die? No. So oh. they, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't specify. I did yeah, not. Yeah, they found her alive. <gasps> so she had been raped and oh, she had been beaten. Poor, beautiful baby. Uh, yeah, and she had been left to die. Um, but she but was she, she was alive. Oh, that changes everything. <laughs> it really will. I um, bet installed a new hope in me. <laughs> I am ready for the story. Good, good. I'm so um, sorry for her. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. No, and everything she had to go through. But she, so her family had relocated to Mexico. And they were probably like, okay, America sucks. Yeah, Ugh. I would be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and But her parents wouldn't allow her to testify. Why? So they were like, we don't, we're not going to come back. We don't want her to testify. Um, so the prosecution ended up having to settle with just an assault charge. Does it say why they didn't want her to testify? No. I, trust me, I looked into this too. I'm guessing it's probably like one of, like plenty of the other cases that we discussed where they were like, we don't want to, we don't want to make it worse for her. And it's like, no, no, it's already bad. It's, it's worse. literally beaten with, like, somebody deserves to pay for this. Dang it. I don't like those details. Yeah. So instead of the rape and attempted murder that he would have got, he got an assault charge. Rodney received an indeterminate sentencing, which for anyone who doesn't know, do you know what it is? An indeterminate? Yeah. Uh, to be announced? I have no idea. No. Um, basically, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's where they don't sentence you for a length of time. They see how you do in prison and then release you when they think oh. they're, that you're ready. Good behavior. Yeah. They're Good like, be- you know what? You've been doing a good job That's here. stupid. That's yes. stupid. <laughs> oh, it's very stupid. Um, which, that's but, not a thing anymore. I'm sure it has something to do with the fact that the girl didn't testify. Yeah. There's, I'm sorry, unfortunately we can't, we just have to see how this goes. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, getting, like, getting the amount, so he ends up getting 17 months, um, for this, but... 17 months? But he was only charged with assault. So, 17 months for an assault charge is, right. a, is, is a lot. It's a lot of time. Um, but for also, like, attempted murder and rape. Yeah. That's not a lot. No. But she wouldn't testify. <laughs> but she Gosh, wouldn't. that sucks. Yeah, and she was young, so her parents were just like, nope, we're not doing it. Oh, man. So, less than two months after his release, of course. he was rearrested for assaulting and raping a 13-year-old girl and received another indeterminate sentence. Well, I'm not shocked. Not at all. Wait, why an indeterminate? I have no idea. Jesus. Why again? They decide to do it again. Like, okay, we can. Did that person testify? Um, uh, I'm not sure. Shart. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was charged with the crimes, so I think that it did happen. But he only served two years this time. That's awful. Very two years. awful. Um, so this once. Is- Sorry, but half the time, this is why criminals keep on being criminals. They keep reoffending. I'm like, that's not that bad. And they're then like, they get in jail and they're like, it's like normal life, but someone does my laundry. And like, feeds me for free. And I have to pee in front of another dude. Darn. Eh, Life's so hard. Yeah. For, for women, we're like, if if we're parents, we're like, nah, I already have to pee and poop in front of another human. That's fine. I'll go to jail. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot cheaper there. <laughs> um, so <laughs> once he was released in 1977, he traveled to New York City because he was visiting. He went back. Quotes family, mm-hmm. um, where it is believed that he murdered and raped Ellen Jane Hover, who was a 23 year old daughter of a popular Hollywood nightclub owner. Oh, cool. And also the goddaughter of Dean Martin. Oh. Right? Wow. Right. 
Yeah. How so, did he get away with being there again? Did he just... No, make, well, make he it? told his probation officer, he's like, I'm going to go visit family. And they were like, okay, you can have this amount of time. Which, I mean, they do. But, like, mm-hmm. I feel like not to people like that. Yeah. Not to people with those offenses. Ugh. What is this? What year is it by this point? Um, so that was back in 1977. Cool. Yeah. So in 1978, he was actually interviewed by the task force looking for the Hillside Strangler. Oh, super. Um, but the only thing that that interview got him was a possession of marijuana charge. And so he got a short stint in jail. Okay. So, I mean, he was not the Hillside Strangler, which is good. Which we know, but... But, yeah, I mean, at least he went to jail for a little while. That could have saved somebody. Yeah, um, I guess. So after this, Rodney started posing as a professional photographer... Oh, no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, no. He convinced hundreds of win- women and children that he was an actual photographer and took very sexually explicit photos of them. Like, a lot of photos. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I can say from my teen years, I was trying to do the model thing. <laughs> and so many times in my life, I was alone with a man in the wilderness. <laughs> it was like... Where's my mom? I'm happy Ronica's still with us. Yeah, there was, there was, finally, on some occasion, some man was like, okay, put your arm this way, and then, do you want to take your bra off? And I was like, um, no, I lied and said I had to be to work, so I understand where, uh, See, you never, yeah. ever, uh-huh. creepo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so he did Anyways. this, he was this yeah. guy, um, and he kept these photos in a storage space that he had in Seattle. So he's kind of like popping up all over, like New York, California, purposefully spreading himself very wide, yeah, for intentional reasons. Exactly. Um. So the only known rape victim that was found alive during this whole ruse that he was doing as a photographer was Monique Hoyt, who was Mm -hmm. a fifteen-year-old girl who was knocked unconscious and raped. And from what I know, he wasn't charged with anything from that at all. No, but she did say that she had a yeah. So it's known that this happened, but he wasn't charged with it, which <laughs> you'll, yeah. Yeah, I, so, don't, I was going to ask questions, but I'm assuming you don't have all the answers to that. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. They just didn't provide so him. much, especially in the 70s. Uh-huh. It's not like Google today where I could be like, where it, is she now? What it just she depends on the case. Some cases they're like, we love this guy. We're going to cover everything. Exactly. This guy. Like, well, like freaking Ted Bundy, they're like, give, let me give you <sighs> all of this information. Uh-huh. But also he hasn't been as forthcoming. Right. But that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Ted Bundy <laughs> was purposefully at the very end, he was executed. So I'm yeah. sure towards the end he's like, well, let me tell you everything and it'll save me. Yeah. Didn't, didn't work. Yeah. This guy, probably not. So um, a few murders that he committed on November 10th in 1977, they found an 18-year-old by the name of Jill Barcombe on the Hollywood Hills. She had been sexually assaulted, assaulted bludgeoned, and strangled with a pair of pants. Uh, uh, yeah. Ooh. Like, yeah. Um, on December 16th, 1977, so not very long after, they found Georgia Wickstead, a 27-year-old in Malibu. Oh, so not okay. very long after. Who very was, shortly after. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, who was found sexually assaulted and strangled. Um, but in 1978, in the middle of his murder spree, um, he got dubbed the dating game killer. Okay. So at this point, he's already a 1,000% just over and over killer mm-hmm. but suddenly now he's the dating game killer so he gets da- he gets dubbed the dating ga- game killer later on gotcha. because of okay. what's happening right now so they do shed light on all of his other murders 
at some point. Some of them. Okay. Um, okay. So in 1978, he was on a show. He was a contestant on a game show called The Dating Game. Okay. Um, on the show, he continued with his, I'm a f- photographer facade. Like, oh, right, I'm right. so famous, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then while on the show, other contestants described him as very strange guy. Oh. Um, he had bizarre opinions and said that he and he just never wanted to make eye contact with other people. Oh, I want to watch this show. <laughs> I have a clip for you ah! of this, of him on yes. this. Um, so we're going to, we'll take a break here in just a second so you can watch it and then you can kind of give your feedback on it. Oh yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So basically the bachelorette was sitting on one side of the wall and then there was three bachelors on the opposite side, uh-huh. which I can't, there used to be a game show like this in the nineties yeah. and I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah. This is the it, one of the I mean, 70s, it's the so. same show. It's just evolved with a different name. Like yeah. we've all seen this show, yeah. but. So she would ask them questions and then they would answer. One of her questions was, what is your favorite time of day? Oh. And he replied, night, of course. The good things happen at night. Oh. I oh, mean. Oh. Which, okay. No, it sounds very sexual. Yeah. There's also part where he's like, yeah, if your friends had to give you a nickname and he said something about, like, being a banana, and I'm like, this is so sexual. (laughs) I'm sorry. If your friends had to give you a nickname, you went for a banana. (laughs) Not even a cuke. Come on, guys. Eggplant. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, So he actually ended up winning the game. Okay. um, Which... Which just goes to show that fakeness charming it just charm yeah. he just fake charm gets he you seemed charmful um charmful and new word i'm going with charmy charmy <laughs> charmful no i like charmful okay he We're seemed very charmful mm-hmm. um don't you and... dare delete that <laughs> so uh, the date was actually or the winning was a date with the bachelorette and let's take a pause so you can watch this and then i'm going to tell you kind of what happens after sold let's go Okay, so you saw the video. Oh, I saw the video. Tell me what you think. I'd like to comment on two things first, and then I'll tell you. Their hair is the same. (laughs) That needs to be noted. Um, They won tennis lessons at the end of this game. That needs to be noted. I don't know if I'd be upset about that. I, I like tennis, though. Well, like, nowadays... If you watch The Price is Right, they're like, you're going to the Bahamas! Yeah, or I, I guess. guess. <laughs> I'd be like, tennis? <laughs> I guess it's a little different when it's just a dating game and they're trying to get people to like each other more, so I get that part. Um, but um, I didn't see the other... It only shows his replies, so I didn't see the other guy's mm-hmm. replies, so I don't know if everyone is... Going to be honest, even the lady seems a little creepy to me. <laughs> oh, she totally does. She's like... Well, what do you think about me? And you're yeah. like, well, what? Yeah, what? You're going to feed me food. What are you feeding me? But I'm sure that she's probably some sort of hired, maybe not hired actress, but he's still creepy. Yeah. <laughs> A, he's, he's very, um, almost Fab. he's somewhere between Fabio and like Ted Bundy. Yeah, he looks just, like, he looks pretty, in the other picture that you saw, he looks a lot like Ted Bundy. When he smiles, especially. Like, yeah. they show, they're like, here, okay, there's his side profile. He looks, uh, he's, I I try to not, I, like, have to look at somebody and be like, don't think of the time era. Don't think of the time era. Because my yeah. brain will be like, well, for the 70s, they look fine. But, um, 
he looks a lot like Ted Bundy. <laughs> he does. He does. Yeah. Um, so we'll definitely post a picture for you guys um, yeah. so you can kind of see what he looks He's like. He's almost super duper charming. Like when you're looking at him, you're like, oh, okay. But when he does smile and there's that close up, He's got a tooth situation. The missing tooth. And it it is just enough for me to be like, ooh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so basically, he ends up winning that date with the bachelorette. Oh, yeah. um, and they go back to the back like area. Stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just start talking more. And apparently, right when they got alone, she was like, I just felt ill. Oh. And. So she might be a hired actress, but she's also like smart lady she's like he just really creeped me out he just really weird me out um so she, she was or he was like hey yeah so when are we gonna go on that date and she's like not happening not <laughs> Hi. happening have you ever seen tv <laughs> yeah so sorry but we're not going on a date um and it said that the rejection definitely fueled his fire according to a profiler which anybody that's read anything about serial killers mm-hmm. know they get rejected it's not a good thing i mean i don't want to Hashtag all men, but um, dudes in rejection. Some people in rejection. A lot of people, like everybody, a lot of people in rejection. It's just not, I mean, nobody wants to get rejected. So like also being a serial killer in rejection. It's like flames. (laughs) Eyeballs and flames. Um, (laughs) Eyeballs. I I was just thinking like, wow. Like fiery eyes? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Ever say eyeballs again? Jeez. Um, Seemed really specific. (laughs) I mean, it is though. Yeah. You're right. As as soon as you did this. Not your eyelashes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. They're not on fire. Whatever. Um, So there was a few additional murders after this that are confirmed. Okay. I just need to confirm, specify that. Um, on June 24th, 1978, they found Charlotte Lamb. She was a 32-year-old from Santa Monica, um, and they found her in a laundry room. She had been sexually assaulted and strangled with a shoelace. Oh, gosh, dang. He finds their clothing items and just, that's all he needs. Yeah. Pants, shoelaces. Blah. Jeez. Um, so on June 14th, 1979, they found 21-year-old Jill Parento. Um, in her Burbank apartment, strangled as well. So he was definitely, like, strangulation was his M.O. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sexually assaulted all of them. I didn't put this in here, but like someone else that we recently talked about, he would strangle them and revive them. Oh. And strangle them again. It was just a resurrection kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He just kept doing it over and over again. It's just a lot of layers of madness. He's just an awful dude. Yeah. Um, so only six days later, on June 20th, 1979, Robin Sam- Samso, um, a 12-year-old girl, went missing from Huntington Beach. Dude, he has no age range that he cares about. Yeah, Like, no. he doesn't have a specific MO as far as age range goes. No, and it's, it's honestly female. possibly not even gender. Oh. Okay. Which is nothing that he's been convicted of, but I will talk a little bit more about that. Okay. Um, so 12 days after Robin went missing, they found her body in Los Angeles pretty badly decomposed. Um, after her disappearance, her friend that was on the beach with her told authorities, a strange man approached me and Robin and asked to take pictures of us. Oh, you mean a professional photographer? Yeah. Um, so the friend helped complete a composite sketch of the person and she like um it looks an awful like ted bundy with a perm probably <laughs> like longer hair Jeez, and 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, worse clothes. There is something specific. Like if I was a woman serial killer and they were both standing near each other, I'd be like, well, that dude and that dude, because they look so much alike. Yeah, no. But like he's like a longer Fabio version of that. Yeah, him. yeah. So uh, they did the composite sketch and pretty quickly... Rodney's ex-probation officer, because he's been charged with some things. Right. His ex-probation officer was like, whoa, 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 ding, whoa, ding, whoa. Ding. With his past, everything like that, this is him. Right. Um. So with that tip, authorities searched Rodney's mother's house and found a receipt for a storage unit in the Seattle area, which I'm wondering, like, how much is this guy really traveling? Yeah. Because he's lives in California. Has a storage unit with in... With all of his stuff up in Seattle. I mean, it's kind of smart it's it annoyingly is yeah um so once they searched it they found robin's earrings so the girl that went missing he um, kept the freaking earrings he kept the freaking earrings a, i'm obviously i don't support doing bad things i don't say but don't keep the shit yeah no not at <laughs> all sorry. they're like a trophy you <sighs> dummy look, look, all right awful people um so and he also they found hundreds of pictures some oh, were that's, yeah. yeah next level <laughs> so some were regular um pictures like at the park at beaches but this is sorry this is in the storage unit in seattle, seattle. so it's not even something he has super close access to no he literally just had a receipt at his mom's house oh and he's a quote professional photographer yeah. so he just yikes. so he had all of these pictures um parks beaches some of them were naked women and girls some of them um were they actually some of them were post-mortem pictures oh yeah um which a little different (laughs) it's a little yeah just a little bit and some of them were of boys as well that's why i said it's kind of it's it's not known he hasn't been um does it say whether the boys pictures are like modeling pictures they look more like modeling pictures i've seen a lot of the pictures so either a also boys are people that he murdered b he's trying to fake a portfolio and so he's like oh that's a men in here so it looks like i am a photographer so it's not just girls yeah i actually didn't think about that which is probably pretty accurate um so he was ultimately arrested and they found her freaking earrings um at the end of 1979 and held without bail yeah we don't need another trip for him to go to new york or seattle or wherever he wants to go to go murder more people um but his trial began in 1980 for the death of robin Okay. And he was sentenced to death. Oh. But. No. The verdict was overturned due to improper information on previous convictions. What? So I think there was just like a slip up while they were, they were talking about like his previous, probably like possibly even the first girl that he had attacked. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we'll rape an attempted murder. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got convicted for assault. Was, so it's Ugh. weird. They had brought up I, things from the past. I love I will always be someone who stands behind our judicial system for the most part. Yeah. But there are, like, five huge things. And it's always when there's, like, something that you can't say that overlaps with or that contradicts. I'm like, God damn it. But it's also super relevant. Yeah. Like, it makes me want to be go back to old in days and be like, all right, all you randoms vote. Should he hang or no? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, that one was overturned. Um, and so six years later in 1986, he had another trial. So he was in prison. This, for that time. For these times, cool, cool. yeah. Um, and he had another trial where he once again was sentenced to death for okay. her. But that was nullified. God 
because because of an issue with one of the witnesses who said he was apparently brainwashed by the police the witness the witness so witness the witness that found her body Uh um apparently there was something where he tied them together oh and that he was like no i was just so confused brainwashed by the police and so okay it was nullified so like maybe the person oh no never i was gonna try and say how justify it maybe he was wrong and but Regardless, this guy still killed a bunch of other people. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so, and finally, in 2010, he had his third 2010? trial. 10? Yeah. How old was he at this point? Yeah, so he's pretty dang old. Yeah. Um, he was born in 43, so. Oh, he's, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's He's older. I don't want to offend anyone that might be listening. That's not true. Yeah. Oh, I want to know what he looks like at 70. I'll show anything. you a picture. We'll post it too. We'll post a picture when he was younger and looking Ted Bundy-ish. And then we'll post a picture of when like he was Ted older. Bundy with a long perm and a cleft chin. Everything else, Ted Bundy. Smile, yeah. eyes, It totally nose. reminded me of him. I looked at Creep him and I was like, like, you want to be attracted to him, but you're kind of freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's t- um, so that wasn't the only thing that's Ted Bundy-ish, which I'm about to get into. So, um, so he went to his third trial in 2010. Right, right. Um, and he probably walked in with like a walker. To oh my make god, everyone... it's seventy-seven. Oh, I oh. quit. <laughs> quit. I quit this podcast. My math is not proving itself. She's gone. <laughs> so that Goodbye. was the end of Destiny because numbers are hard, and you guys don't get to know what happens now. Oh, no. Um, so... tune in next week when I find out the rest. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy literally decided to act as his own attorney. Oh, who does that sound like? Uh. Uh, Ted Bundy. He sounds just like Ted Bundy. <laughs> but the weirder thing is, he had a five-hour questioning with himself. God! <laughs> with himself. So he was, he act- was like, did he like, go behind the thing, stand, what, run back out, talk to himself? So he would ask himself questions referring to himself as Mr. Akla, or Alcala. Uh-huh. He would say, hey, Mr. Alcala, and ask a question. And they let that happen? Yeah. And he would ask it in a deeper voice, and then he would answer back in his normal voice. <gasps> did they record it? I, I hope so. And they probably, I bet you, what they did was record it happening. It's going on. He's talking to himself, probably walking across the table, sitting down, and they're like, if this isn't nails in the coffin, I don't know what is. Could you imagine five hours of watching that as anybody? Like, I couldn't imagine and- ten freaking minutes of that. I'd be like, crazy. It's crazy. Hey, Destiny. And then I have a question to ask you. Well, what do you want to know? <laughs> like, no, that's not normal. The, the, the fact, oh, uh, ooh. yeah. Deeper voice, talk to himself, got it. Okay. <laughs> By his last name, they're just like, okay. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, we'll let this roll, I guess. Um, so in this retrial, they oh, actually. <laughs> I'm just still, I'm still audibly reacting to that statement. Okay. Five hours of yeah. just back and forth. Oh, no. Interrogating himself. You know that some doctor who had previously diagnosed him was there and was like, see? See? I'm not lying. <laughs> Told you. Um, so in this retrial, they combined the murders from the four women that, four women that I talked about earlier. Um, so they just, boop, boop. Yeah, because they... Started using DNA. Oh, Thank right. Because he's 77. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, they started using DNA and they tied all of these oh, um, murders into the one of the 12 year old girl. Right. Um, and honestly, speaking of nail in the coffin. Uh-huh. Did he this is the, have this another is, interview? This is, no. Oh. This is honestly what I needed to happen. Okay. 
they had a special witness, and it was Tally Shapiro, oh, the original crowbar. victim. She finally, her parents, well, she, she probably was older. Was older. And she was yeah. like, mm, and my she mom was like, yeah, she was like, this is what happened. Hi, I'm an adult. I have no parents that say I cannot do this. I have some things to tell everyone. Exactly. Oh, gosh. I, I'm so glad she got to tell I know. When story. I read that, I was like, yes! Good for her. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> no, honestly. Um, so, in March of 2010, Rodney was once again sentenced to death. Um, currently, he's sitting at death row in Corcoran State Prison in California. Okay. He has been charged with two additional murders since then. Of course. And I think it was like he got 25 years on top of his death sentence. Uh-huh. Um, and he's currently planning to appeal his third death sentence. Of course he is. Um, so the thing that I hate about this case is that I feel like there's a lot of injustice mm-hmm. because he ultimately admitted to killing 30 plus people. Right. And right. it is thought that he has been linked to over 100. But he's only been charged with seven. This is the second time that you have had somebody that's linked to potentially more, and they're like, we're going to get you on these. Yeah. I mean... At least, I mean, he gets the death sentence, which... The sentence is great, but the... If there was DNA, if there was anything that... You just want those crimes to be solved. So, this is one thing I didn't actually tell you about. Well, I didn't tell you anything. I was like, um, (laughs) I didn't know anything about this. Um, But here's kind of just the thing that I'm going to shout out to everybody... Um, so the photos that I spoke about earlier that the authorities found in Rodney's storage space mm-hmm. are thought to be, ad- um, additional potential victims. So I have a link to all of these photos. Ooh. So if anybody has a second, just take a look through the photos. I mean, yes. there's a chance that you might know somebody in those photos. I mean, it's not that far from here. It was from Seattle. Obviously it California. was everywhere. Yeah, California. Over. You never know. Um, and who knows who's listening out there. So take a look at these photos. Um, the link will be on all platforms of our social media oh, yeah. when this podcast or this episode releases. So take a look at them. It was released on NBC New York. Um, and see if you can identify any of them. And there's a number for that as well. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good end on this. Um, really weird, dude. <laughs> really weird. Like... <laughs> And just that video, I watched that the video. Oh yeah, of him on the dating show, and I was like, "Oh my god, you're creepy!" But like, I get like a kind of charming vibe, <sighs> and I'm uncomfortable. So <laughs> stop it. There is well, when they first show all the dudes, they're all in the dark, and you can see he has the fluff. And I was like, instantly, it's got to be the fluff, dude. I will say, I think he's, and I hate saying this, I think he's the better looking one of them there's the fluff dude there's the less fluff dude and there's the bald dude Mm -hmm. so if she was just looking at them she for sure would have chose him especially back then but she got to hear him talk enough way more than probably most of the his victims got to yeah and got to make a judgment like no bro sorry you're not for me exactly (laughs) obvious reasons yeah, so that was that was my case. Shoot, that my was crime. good. When we <laughs> no, first my case. Yeah, Damn when it. we first met up tonight, I was like, my case is going to be long. And she's like, my case is just shorter than usual and uh yours is real good for shorter than <laughs> usual. I I'm sure at some point in my life, I'm sure I've heard of this dude, but I have no recollection and I also have if I've heard of him, didn't see any pictures to, like, associate him with, mm-hmm. I will not forget this man now. Right? <laughs> like, I'm always going to be like, and also, there's Ted and there's Rodney. <laughs> Ew. And they look a lot alike. And I hate them both so much. Stay away from people that look they, like this. They not only look super a lot alike, 
they're super similar. Yeah, in their they're interest. just very smart. I'm my yeah. own attorney. I'm a serial killer. <laughs> he might be next level because he did. Well, I don't know if I'm going to say next level because he didn't propose to a woman on stand. That was but he insane. did talk to himself for five hours. Also, have you watched the movie yet? I okay. Listen, <laughs> I have seen the Ted Bundy tapes. I have heard that the movie is over glamorized, blah blah blah. Oh, it definitely is, but it is a it's over glamorized. I will I will say as a woman who is afraid of dudes that look good and could potentially be scary, I think that's the point. Yeah. I think the point is to scare women or to show women that some dudes come in secret and they yeah, so I think it's just a it's a specific point of view, but I don't know for sure because I'm gonna watch it. Last week I had way too much things. I was there was yeah. like, it felt like it was one of, I was like on my checklist of things to do and it was like groceries and the dogs and this. And I was like, I don't want this to be a checklist. I would like to wait until I've got some time and I'm going to watch this movie. And you can just be in peace and yeah. be like, oh so my God. I'll watch this movie probably before next week and then you and I can talk about it next week. Okay, perfect. Just let me know. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm and ready. in the meantime, um, if you guys could, okay, first of all, this week we also came out on Apple Podcast, which is great. Come follow us. We're going to make sure that we are finally available for you guys on other places, just in case you happen to listen to like Stitcher or somewhere else that you get your podcast at. We're going to make sure that we're available on all of them because we want to be available for anyone who finally is like, hey, I want to listen, but I don't have this, this, or this. We'll make sure that we're there for you wherever you're at. I love it. <laughs> so... Um, if you could please go to our, either our Instagram or our Twitter, I'd love if you could follow us on Instagram. Um, our Instagram is where we're going to put our updates for what's happening this week. You're going to see pictures of Fabio Ted Bundy. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> the creepiest laugh. <laughs> um, when we finally release this episode. But in the meantime, you can keep up with whatever episode we are currently posting you're going to find the pictures for it you're going to find information about it um on our instagram our facebook is where we're just going to let you know some new updates but essentially instagram facebook twitter they're all aligned so if you happen to use one or not the other they're all going to be updating so follow us like us subscribe to us exactly whatever yeah. you listen to Rate podcasts us, everything yeah. whatever um, and then also please if you have any ideas like we are just spitting back and forth. We're like, I should do this one. I should do this one. Yeah. We have so many ideas. But if there's a specific case that you want to hear, let us know. Because we are more than happy to just dig right into it yes. and get to the roots for you guys. We finally have like an established audience that we call it. We are not necessarily doing this for anyone but ourselves. But at this point, if there are people that want to hear something that we aren't putting out, please let us know because we had someone say this week they'd like to hear local stories. They would like to hear one episode and we're going to do it. You get exactly. ready. Yeah. We want to make you guys happy. <laughs> yeah. You want to hear some Oregon stuff? You're going to hear only Oregon stuff. <laughs> so let us know what you want to hear. And in the meantime, that's it for this week. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. Crime Wives out.